2: Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com ACAST. That's Burrow.com ACAST. Burrow.com ACAST. This
3: is Broad Radio. For you. By you. By you.
1: Broad Radio. Here for more.
4: Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Jo Stanley, and my co-host today is the wonderful Bianca Chatfield. Hi there, (laughs) B. Oh, it's one of those days we've got to just roll with the punches a little bit today. Technology has not been on our side, but that's that's what the modern world is at the moment, isn't it? Exactly.
5: And we're back in lockdown in Victoria, so we're just used to all this virtual stuff again. And exactly <laughs> no surprises, that right. sometimes it just doesn't work.
4: That's right. We rely so much on it, but that's okay. We've got a really fantastic show. We are here for you today for your career. So we're gonna be joined by the co-founder of a new line of high veers maternity wear, Kim O'Leary. I just love that story because she's keeping women in the workplace longer, which is a fantastic thing. Uh, Marina Goh, who is the chair of Super Netball, sorry, she's the chair of the Super Netball Commission. Um, She's Mm -hmm. gonna be joining us and she's gonna tell us what to do about those Mm -hmm. toxic blocks that we have in our lives and how to get rid of them so that we can reach our full potential. And while we're on, on it. If you are wanting to reboot your career, we're going to be joined by career strategist Kelly McGowan, who's going to help us out with some tips on how to land that next big job. Now, be a couple of news headlines before we start today. Um, well, actually, I wanted to start with a news headline, and that is that yesterday, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry mm-hmm. and Meghan, announced that they are expecting their second child which is absolutely lovely I'm very happy for them
5: oh and a very Notting Hill like photo wasn't it that they put out there to the world
4: (laughs) oh it's a gorgeous photo and it's so romantic but you know what it really raised for me an issue that I have and that is the languaging around pregnancy that's so often used in the media because hmm. it really kind of irritates me, I've got to tell you. Firstly, whenever you hear people, say, they write in, um, you know, the media and magazines and, you know, now online, they always write that she was out flaunting her baby bump, right? Flaunting
5: oh.
4: it. <laughs> I'm like, how do you flaunt? Like, really? She's literally left the house with her stomach <laughs> attached to her that's as far as it <laughs> goes when it comes to flaunting. What is she? Has she hung festoon lighting on it? I don't think so. And then this particular photo, which is a beautiful photo of you know a, a lovely couple who are very pleased about the announcement of their child. But can you see the caption there? Couple share picture of Harry resting his hand on Megan's head as she lies in his lap, cradling her bump. <laughs> oh her no cradling her bump i mean she's got her hand on her stomach because where else are you gonna well yeah where else are you gonna put it like you know (laughs) it just seems ridiculous to me this term cradling her bump
5: i know and you know i got really annoyed uh yesterday when i was reading everything on twitter about it that so many people really wanted to get into them for releasing a photo of it but we all want to know. We, Of course we want to know that she's having another baby and I cannot believe all the hatred around it and just the negativity. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. disappointing, isn't it? It's is, such it a beautiful is, moment.
4: It is a beautiful moment and she's not cradling her bones. She's got a hand on her stomach. I just, the language around that always makes me feel like, um, you know, they—they they, the narrative is that women and, and pregnant women somehow are elevated into this notion of being these super nurturing, super kind of mothering. And, and, you know, that can happen, but most of the time you're exhausted, you've got swollen ankles, you're nauseous and you're peeing all the time. You've got no time for cradling your bump or cradling your stomach. And let me tell you when I... Yeah, you didn't do that with Willow in your tummy? No, I was, I'd spent no time cradling my tummy when I was pregnant, largely because most of the time my hands were full of cake. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> There was no there was no room for cake. can't quite do <laughs> Anyway, congratulations to Harry and Megan. I'm very happy for them. Another piece of news that was in recent weeks, which I absolutely was, was thrilled to read, that Netball Australia has announced a five-year deal with Foxtel um, which means a huge investment into the sport um, and in a moment we're going to be speaking with Marina Go, who is the chair of the Super Netball Commission to find out what this means for the sport and for fans of the sport but B, of course you are a commentator and you are a former Australian netballer yourself so can you explain to me why we seem not to have as many women sport on TV as we get men's. You know, I think that's a constant frustration for those of us who love watching both men and women play the sports mm. that we love.
5: And a little bit of insight too, in that we often hear whenever a sport, whether it be cricket or AFLW or netball, everyone always comes out and says, Oh my goodness, this is a landmark deal. We've never seen anything of its kind. And so you kind of get blurred in all of that jargon really and the thing that's the difference between men's sport and female sport is that the men's broadcast deals for nrl for afl are often worth billions of dollars millions and billions of dollars whereas the free-to-air networks have often just shown netball and cricket and aflw they show it but they don't actually give any money to the sport to show it and quite often i know with netball that the broadcast deal would mean that Netball would have to often pay for the whole production side of it, yet they would give it the airtime. And so, you know, to get the sponsorship, you have to be on a commercial TV network to be able to show it and give the sponsor the airtime. And, you know, it's like this circle that goes on. And and so why Netball have come out and said this deal is different for them is because Foxtel are actually giving money back to the sport. They're actually investing money and have put their hand up. And I don't know how much it is. I would love to know, but I don't know that insight yet, uh, but how much they're actually giving it. To. But it's the first time a is actually putting money back into the sport, which is exciting. Um, but then we go, you know, well, actually we'll talk to Marina Go about it. Cause I think that's gonna be fascinating to hear what she's got to say about Foxtel V9, which it's on at the moment.
4: Yeah, but so the, but the point is though, it's about the audience. Obviously, they assume that the audience isn't there for female sport, which we know that it is, but um, if you're not helping that particular sport broadcast it, how can they actually put it on air?
5: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, what we need, I think, everybody who loves female sport, who wants to watch female sport, when it's on, watch it. Try and make sure you get your eyeballs on it, that you're on social media, that you're joining in the conversations about the sport, uh, because all of that really does add up now to show to all of these broadcasters how many people actually want to watch it. So I know a lot of us don't watch things in real time anymore. Sport, probably more so we watch live, but however you can interact with the sport that you love, make sure you try and do that.
4: That is such great advice. If you love women's sport, you've got to invest in it yourself with your time and your support. I love it. Thanks, B. Well, yeah, let's get to Marina Go. She is going to join us after this. (laughs) Well, as we said, it is an exciting time for netball with the announcement of a new five-year deal with Foxtel. And to talk more about it, we're joined by an amazing woman. She is the chair of the Super Netball League Commission, but she's also a non-executive director for organisations such as Booktopia, Adore Beauty, the ovarian cancer foundation and one more energy australia i mean she's really done just about everything known to man because once upon a time she was editor of dolly oh my gosh where would we have been without (laughs) dolly we welcome marina go hi marina hi hi joe how are you we're really well and congratulations on this deal with foxtel what does it mean for the development of netball it's a it's an
0: important development for netball and actually all of women's sport I think um, because for the first time uh, a broadcaster has invested you know real money in our sport um, and what it means is that if we can take that money and we can reinvest it in development of uh, of the league for certain so. So certainly, I mean, I, I chair the commission, so I'm very focused on the Super Netball League. Uh, but obviously, our main shareholder, or our only shareholder, is Netball Australia, and so money flows back to Netball Australia, and then they can develop grassroots programs. Uh, so we can develop the netball community. One of the things that hasn't happened for netball, and Bianca will know this, is we haven't had, uh, we haven't had enough marketing of our sport, we have one of the best sports in the world. It's an incredible product. We have world-class athletes, but we haven't had the ability to market them to the same level as many of the male sports codes, the top-tier male sports codes have had. And this this will go some way to us being able to do that and so that's one of the reasons we're so excited about it.
5: Marina I always love to hijack board radio and talk about netball at any opportunity I can so I love that you are (laughs) on here with us today. (laughs) Uh, Obviously I've worn many different hats in the netball world, one of the hats that I currently wear is with Channel 9 and obviously they're working on the commentary uh, for 2021 coming up what, what have you made of all the feedback and, I guess, some positive, some negative about the new broadcast deal? How can you explain it just to your average Twitter fan on netball who, you know, has been either wanting it or not sure whether it's the right thing? How can you explain to them yeah. how different it's going to be?
0: Well, look, Nine has been a fantastic partner and they will be a fantastic partner for our final year with them. Uh, we've worked very closely with them to develop the sport to where it is now. The difference for us is, as I said earlier, we just need we need investment to to grow the league and the sport to the next level, and so that's the reason why we have we've gone with the Foxtel um, opportunity, and you know Foxtel are going to develop uh, magazine style programs, as many of the male sports have. You know, I mean, I, I previously was with Rugby League, as you know, prior to joining uh, the Super Netball League Commission. I was the chair of the West Tigers, so I spent five years in rugby league. And you know, Foxtel developed that sport with those magazine-style programs that um, you know that my sons watch constantly. Uh, and we, you know, we need that for our sport. We need a focus on the players. We need analysis of the game. We need talk. We need people to be talking about it during the week, uh, not, not just watching the games on the weekends when they're when they're on. Uh, in order to grow the you know the talkability, the excitement, because all of that brings sponsorship dollars and opportunity for our sport. So, you know, that's what's been missing. Um we're looking forward to seeing more of that. Look the great thing about Foxtel and this deal is that there will still be two games free to wear on the weekend every weekend. Um so that's no different to what um you know we're currently experiencing with nine. Um, and then there will be two that you will need to access via a subscription. Well, at the moment, uh, that's the same um, with accessing via the Netball Live app. So um, unless you're a Telstra customer, you don't get that for free now. So there will be, so the similarities are there. Where we believe uh, there'll be an advantage is that there will, there should be and will be uh, more netball um, programming than just the games. Mm.
4: you're so right i I mean it's just something that hasn't even occurred to me until you said it then marina Mm -hmm. that we don't ever get to see those talk shows in which the sport itself is dissected and analyzed and we're learning more about the sport i mean that's why all of us feel like we're experts about afl because we watch those those shows so much as if i know anything but i think i do (laughs) but 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 you're right that those those shows don't exist and why shouldn't they
0: exactly and you think about the then the career opportunities for uh, you know former netball greats like Bianca you know they, they they're real career opportunities you know those, those players from rugby league they come out and the ones that want to be broadcasters they walk into full-time jobs and they have career opportunities and we want that for our women too we want that for our players we want that for our sport uh, and our fans want it so you know yeah. what we're doing I know, I know it's well, change is difficult. One of the things that I have noticed, and this sport is no different to to rugby league and every and business, in fact, um, most people don't like change, um, but they and but they will hopefully come to see that this will be a positive for our sport. And I can I can assure you that there is no way that the commission and the NA board would have agreed to take this step if we didn't think it was in the long-term best interest of the sport because we want to grow this sport. You know, we love it. We think it's the best sport, as I said to you, in the country, if not the world. And so we want to make sure that it is celebrated and rewarded in that way. Uh, And, you know, just a a personal note for me, I mean, my life is all about making sure that women are equal to men. Uh, And so the very idea that our best athletes uh, are not rewarded to anywhere near the level of the best male athletes in the country is just, you know, it, it's just not okay. And so, you know, this deal doesn't change, you know, it's not going to get us from, uh, you know, the this, this sort of salaries we have now to NRL salaries, but we're on a path. And I think that, um, you know, the best thing is it sets us up for growth in the future that we're able to bring more money into the sport. And as more money comes in, we get to, uh, you know, we get to have a conversation with our players about um, what, their, what their value is.
5: Yeah, one thing that excites me is that um, showcasing these players, their personalities, their unique qualities that they have, because we all know that I think in male sports that happens and you can't be what you can't see. And we've heard that a lot, and especially as women, we hear that a lot. And I think it's important that we're getting the players out there more. And Marina, if I flip it around to you and the life that you've led away from netball, I was listening to a podcast and you said you did your, or you're on as a first director of a board when you were 23 years old. Is that right? Because I now currently sit on a few board positions <laughs> and I just was thinking that's such a young age to experience something like that. And in such an important role. You know, what, what is it that drew you, like, sorry, what is it that drove you? And well, did you have role models that you looked up to that you wanted to follow
0: when you were younger? So, so first of all, I clarified I wasn't on a board at 23. I was the editor of Dolly at 23. Um, my first board role, I, I I didn't sit on a board until I was in my I think I was 39. So don't so you know I'll manage <laughs> I'll manage your. Uh,
1: You've got time, Bianca. About, you know
0: needing to hurry up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but 23, I was the editor of Dolly. So that was my first. That was my first. Management position while I was, you know, running a team and having to be responsible for uh, an organization's P and L because I had to, I had to suddenly found myself in charge of a budget, and I was previously, you know, a journalist, um, but having that experience of, uh, you know, making sure that my magazine was profitable, made me very interested in the business side, uh, and then I went off and did an MBA, and um, and then and then decided that I was interested in uh, changing hopefully changing the opportunities for women um, to lead organizations both at a you know executive CEO level but also on boards uh, which is why I eventually decided I wanted to sit on boards because I know that the, you know the decisions come from the board so the way that organizations view uh, you know gender equality and diversity uh, you know the culture the culture the tone is set at the top, and um, and I'm a person who likes to uh, you know put your money where your mouth is and <laughs> make things happen. so uh, that's that's why I've pursued a board career, and i and I really love it.
4: Well, we need women in the boardroom much more yeah. than we currently do, so I encourage anybody who might have the ambition for this, to get out there, get trained, volunteer, really take some risks and push yourself into that space because we need you, we really do. And one of the things that I notice when I look at your life on the page, Marina, is the great ambition that you have, which, you know, ambition (laughs) is something that not many women are encouraged to have. Like it's it's often a quality that is really um, discouraged in women and we tend to get a lot of resistance if we're too ambitious. Have you been met with any kind of uh, negative feedback with regards to your ambition in your life?
0: Oh yes, oh yes, certainly. I mean, you know, when I was in the media, I spent my entire career in the media and the at the very top of most media organizations uh, is, you know, it's a boys club, as you would know, Joe, mm. and, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, ambitious women are, are not necessarily encouraged and, um, and, and are very often blocked. And so I definitely experienced that. But I made a decision very early in my career that I was in charge of my own career and that I would have, you know, regardless of uh, the organization that I was working with or the people that I would be surrounded by or people that I would be working to, that I just took the view that at some point I would be met with resistance. Uh, not everybody would would have my best interests at heart, but it was still up to me to to do something about that. And so if I found myself blocked, then I didn't... I didn't stay, you know, I I would pursue an opportunity where I felt that I would be uh, given an opportunity all that my ambitions would be celebrated and rewarded uh, and that's how I've built my career. So, um, I I speak at a lot of women's events and, and the way that I, car- really the way that I characterise my career is I speak about it as if it's a business. So, if you consider your career as a business and in the business context, if you are blocked in any way or you met you you know an opportunity looks like it's not going to be fruitful. You don't hang around and be bloody minded about it. You don't sit there and think, okay, well I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this anyway, even if there are no customers. You then pivot. And so that's what I've done with my career. I've just gone, okay, you know, this organization doesn't value my skills and abilities. I back myself. I'm gonna go over there where my skills and abilities will be celebrated and rewarded. Um, and so I have, you know, I've moved around to ensure that I could progress up. Mm. And and it's been the right strategy for me. Uh, but you do have to back yourself, right? You have to believe yes. that you are worthwhile, you have values. And, and you know, every woman that I've ever met does. It's just that not every woman has been led to believe she does. Mm. So the way to feel really confident about your capabilities is to surround yourself with people who do have your back uh, sometimes they might be family, they might be girlfriends, they might be work colleagues, uh, but you have to make sure that you listen just to them, you know, so that you don't lose confidence. Um, but yeah, look, we've all we have all worked with people who have spent their time trying to erode our confidence, mm. and that's a toxic situation that can actually destroy your career. So you've got to get out of it, mm. and but it's up to you to to get out of it because they're not going to change. Uh, and I've stopped believing that um, that those toxic people are going to be removed. You know, you sit there thinking someone will notice that they're actually really bad <laughs> yeah, at business.
6: Absolutely. But you
0: can't. Yeah. But in the time that it takes for them to notice, years pass. Your career is stifled. Your your confidence is eroded. So don't let it happen. You know, you, you
5: yeah. Yeah. I love that approach. Move so on much and out. Because- Yeah, often we just say, just persist, just persist. Like your good work will show through in the end. But you're right, the time that it does often waste when, you know, there are people stopping you or there are big hurdles in the way that you can't seem to break down. That's the first time I've heard someone just own it and say, you know what, sometimes it's not worth it just hanging around in that environment. Get yourself out. Go where you know you can absolutely believe in yourself and offer the best that you possibly can. So I absolutely love that, Marina. Good one. I'm going to save that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah good good and you know and use it and then share it with as many women as you can um so everyone who's ever been one of my mentees and I mentor a lot of women and have done over the years are all on that path because that's I've consistently given that as as my advice and it's the number one uh, piece of advice that I think could really make a difference to women and the careers that they choose to have
4: yeah I really love it too um I can't let you go, Marina, without acknowledging that uh, Dolly and specifically Dolly Doctor was absolutely critical <laughs> yes. to me as a teenager. Uh, I'm sure yes. that you hear that all the time from women of our generation. Um, and now you've gone on and you've had a huge career in media as well. And I know that you have established an online magazine called Tonic, which is sort of establishing yes. its voice very similarly to Broad Radio, of bringing conversations that women over 40 want to hear tell us about that
0: yes yes so um a couple i guess it was a couple of years ago uh we remained friends right so you know the wonderful thing about working with incredible women during the dolly years is that we were all in our 20s as i said earlier i was 23 when i was the editor of dolly so all of my colleagues were in our you know early to late 20s and we remained friends regardless of where we went in the media after that in our careers um A couple of years ago, we reconnected because, you know, as we did from time to time, have lunch. And we started talking about the fact that... We actually started talking about menopause, to be perfectly frank, Mm -hmm. because we're Mm -hmm. all now in our 50s. And um, we were thinking about... You know, we were basically saying, oh, there's really not a real conversation about it. Uh, So we were talking to each other about it and saying, what a shame that there isn't anything like Dolly for Mm -hmm. our age group because Mm -hmm. the wonderful thing about teenagers was that, yes, they could talk to each other, but let's face it, they were all going through that teenage phase for the first time together. So what did they know? Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't want to talk to their mums because it was uncomfortable and embarrassing. So they turned to Dolly. And so we had the same situation. we have None of us know. We're all novices. We're first-time, you know, menopausal women. What do we know? Um, And so we, you know, we realised that we had similar issues Uh, we were trying to help each other, stumbling, not really understanding. And so we decided that what we could do was start a conversation where we could share experiences because you learn through sharing other people's experiences. And the one thing that we do know is that very, very rarely do two women have the same experience. There's so many different ways that a woman can go through this, what I call the prime of our life because we are, you know, we are smarter than we 've ever been we 're more successful than we 've ever been we 've got more money than we 've ever had you know because your life builds um, and so we suddenly have all of this knowledge, but we are lost when it comes to uh this particular i guess hormonal period of our life so we we wanted to create an opportunity where we could help each other and help other women but also the one thing that 's missing, as you know because you're you're establishing you know this for Broad Radio for the same reason, which I love, is that you get the opportunity to elevate, highlight uh, women over 50 who otherwise become invisible. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that was told to me, I remember when I was 30 and I was working with a woman who was 50 back in the early days of my media career. And she said to me one day, you wait till you turn 50, women become invisible at 50. And I thought, I was so horrified by that thought. I thought... I can't imagine, and, that, and now, of course, as I'm that age, there are a lot of women who say that, um, and it's because people, you know, if you look at you look at the media, that you know there are a lot of young faces. Primarily, women have to be young. You know, we know that on on broadcast uh, television, we know that women have to be young. Men can be older. Women are not allowed to age, and so this is a, an opportunity for us to highlight the incredible women who are we say over 45 who are in this mm. period of their lives who 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 have got a lot to offer their communities uh, in in many different ways and so that's one of the that's one of our prime objectives with Tonic is to actually you know highlight the the many skills talents contributions mm. of women uh, in the prime of their life
4: Absolutely and the website is tonic.com.au It's
0: it's actually tonic mag tonicmag.com.au because tonic was taken. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> I think it's a drink, drink thing. Yes,
4: I think you're right. Maybe it goes with gin. <laughs> it's an online magazine. <laughs> yeah. If it's that kind of tonic, which you know, we're fans of that well, as well. Um, so yeah, tonicmag.com.au check that out. Marina yeah. Go, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to speak with you on Broad Radio. Yesterday a former Liberal Party staffer claimed that she was allegedly raped by a colleague in an office in Parliament House in 2019. Brittany Higgins says that she felt she had to choose between making a complaint to police or her job, a job that she described as her dream job and that she'd only been in for four weeks. On this day on Broad Radio, on this show, We are not going to be exploring those allegations any further, nor are we going to be speaking about the issue of sexual assault in the workplace today, although we definitely will be talking about that in subsequent episodes. But what we did want to say is that we support you, Brittany Higgins. We know that frequently people who wish to make complaints to the police about assault are discouraged by employers by family members by colleagues we know that victim survivors of rape and assault are frequently silenced and so we wanted to acknowledge Brittany higgins extraordinary courage in speaking out we wanted to let her know that we support you and that we support all victim survivors of rape and sexual assault we wanted you to know that we hear you Well, if we want women to be able to work in every different industry and to have access to whatever career they wish, then they need to be able to have clothing that they can wear that's appropriate, that fits well, even when they are pregnant. Kim O'Leary is founder and co-director of Cogear, which makes, I love this, high-vis maternity wear. Hi there, Kim. Hi, Jo. How are you? Do you know what, When until I saw that you were making high-vis maternity wear, it didn't even occur to me that of course women who work in construction, who work in mining, who work in industrial industries, they're going to want to keep working while they're pregnant they're going to need to be able to wear something it's so obvious but was it a new idea when you came up with it
6: look i think I was actually in the right place at the right time it it is a world first maternity range but i was working in mining at the time i'd always had an interest in fashion but never thought i was creative enough to cut it on the cat- catwalk so when i saw <laughs> my pregnant manager walking around um, site with an open high-vis shirt and a singlet on underneath i knew it was my chance to create um, something different and, and give that opportunity for women to feel welcome and included in the workplace by making the Maternity High is Workwear.
5: Did you have any background in design or fashion or anything before you came up with this idea? You know, that light bulb moment where you're like, yes, I should do this. <laughs>
6: Uh, no, um, absolutely nothing. But I um, I think what was on my side was naivety and I was 24. Um, I just didn't know how hard things could actually be. So I just did a bit of research um, and then yeah, found a pattern maker that helped me with the design and, yeah, went from there. I guess one step I'd ask for a bit of help and someone would point me or intro me to the next person.
4: Oh, my gosh, how many things happen because you had no idea how hard the idea would be? (laughs) And then you launch into it and you're like, oh, well, here I am. I'm doing it now. I might as well finish it. Uh, Broad radio (laughs) mm, sounds familiar. Uh, (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely loving what we're doing here on broad radio. But, um, Kim, how often are women on work sites pregnant?
6: Look, when it started about eight years ago, there was probably not that many. I was just grateful that Steph, my manager, was pregnant at the time. But it is a growing industry, so we're probably a bit ahead of our time. Um, but it's me- it's meant that we've had you know six or seven years to learn to get our design right, to get companies behind us, um, and then redesign it, which is the The latest work is the collaboration with BHP. We redesigned the maternity wear and um, it's now out and available to everyone.
5: I love my high-vis. I have gotten around it on the worksite many times, especially doing a reality TV show. We had to wear it. But even just the normal high-vis gear for women, I never felt comfortable in it. I always felt like it wasn't really made to be comfortable for women. So, you know, what have you done and what have you included in the products to not only be great for women, but also great for pregnant women when they're out there working?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think what's different and special about Kogia is that we listen to our customers. So I myself has worked on a mine site. I've got a lot of friends in the industry. So we're constantly going back out and asking what people want. Um, our latest um, designer, Allison Cargo Pants. Um, They've proved to be a real hit. They go from size 4 to size 26. We've got an invisible waistband that looks like tailored but it feels like elastic. So if you're sitting in a truck for a 12-hour shift, you want your pants to be comfortable. So that's how we've taken, um, I guess, a bit of a different approach. Our product development can be anywhere from 6 to 18 months um, and it's about incorporating the feedback we held um, have held focus sessions um, in central Queensland and the Pilbara before, and it's just about giving those women that are actually working on those minds.
4: You know, it's not a trivial thing to think about clothing. I know that (laughs) in many instances, women and girls choose not to do something because they don't like what they have to wear. It's one of the reasons why (laughs) girls leave sport. You would know that, be that, you know, school girls stop playing sport because they feel uncomfortable in the clothes. They have to wear those funny little skirts. And I know that in certain (laughs) industries, you know, women women find themselves choosing not to take a job because they feel uncomfortable (laughs) in what, what they're wearing. So it's a really important thing you're doing Kim are you aware that you're kind of shifting a culture?
6: Yeah, I guess I've never really thought about it. At scale, Joe. that's quite the compliment. Thank you. But I guess when there's companies out there like BHP that have made the commitment um, by 2025, they'll have 50% male employees, 50% women employees, and they're really getting behind. What are the things that they can change or do differently to attract more women into the industry? Um, and they've been a massive supporter of Kogia and what we're through. So I think. The companies now, or oh, the leading companies are recognising how important um, things like workwear have become and now we just need to get the other companies um, sort of on that same trail as well, like providing clothing that fits, it's a tangible outcome that you can touch and feel and it, and it makes women feel like they are wanted in that industry.
5: Oh, my God. Now, when you talk about high-vis, sorry, I just want to know this because when I was having to wear it, I thought, you know, why are not there more like high-vis pink colours? And, you know, it was all about just the yellows and the oranges. Have you found some cool colours that you've added to the collection?
6: Yeah, that's a good question. At the moment, we're sticking to the orange and yellow because that's what's in the Illuminicity factors. So that's um, how you get a garment through Australian standards. Yeah. So there are pinks and blues out there and they are a bit brighter, but they are not actually in compliance with the standards. So there are a couple of mining companies that do allow the pink, especially in the Pilbara, because they've done a risk assessment and said, well, actually, with our Um, orange coloured dirt up there and the pink, in fact, stands out more than the orange does. So there are some sites that do allow it, but you've just got to be really careful. um, Yeah, knowing what the standards are and that you've got your safety um, boxes checked because they are important.
4: Well, very good to know. It's it's so interesting, and uh, Kim, congratulations! I just think it's an amazing thing that you're doing. And look, to be honest, I'd be happy for an invisible elastic waistband myself many times. (laughs) I'm a long past being pregnant. Me too. (laughs) I, I, I just think it's fantastic, though, what you're doing as far as accessibility for all women at all different stages of their life in all different industries. So, congratulations! Thank you. Oh, my gosh, Bianca. I just love that conversation there with Kim O'Leary who's created the high viz for maternity wear.
5: I know. How's me saying, why can't we have more pink? And I'm like, oh, there's actually a scientific reason
4: why. (laughs) That's okay. That's why she's making it and not you. Of course, here on Broad Radio, we love hearing from you. You can comment on Facebook at any time during the show and we thank Michelle who... Oh, look, I love Michelle. She's been with us right from the very beginning and she made a beautiful comment when we were speaking with Marina Go there. She says, let's all age beautifully, disgracefully and vocally. I love that, disgracefully. Bianca, what do you think about that? (laughs) so good I love it
5: just be whoever you
4: want to be I love that and
5: feel however you want to feel uh, so refreshing
4: yeah so great and of course uh, if you are watching us on Facebook at the moment why don't you chuck us a like or a follow uh, so that you never miss a show if you are watching on YouTube like and subscribe we would love that because again you're never going to miss a show that way and please do share your comments we love that and the other great thing is we do have a phone number one three hundred eight 8 broad Now, Bianca, I knew that we were going to be speaking with Kim O'Leary about the high-vis maternity wear, right? So uh, it got me thinking over the weekend. So I asked a question on my Facebook, where did you take your baby bump? Okay, because I just love – I love that women, when we're pregnant, we just go about our business, doing our thing. doesn't mean that we can't – we've got to sit at home in in confines while while we're cooking a child. We get out and do our thing, right? Nothing will stop us, we say. And we've got the most (laughs) – Beautiful responses of women who are taking their baby bumps all over the world and we're going to have a few of those callers on the line right now and so I'm very pleased to welcome and I have to do this actually so watch me multitask by the way. Okay, let's go. I'm going to press talk here and I'm going to say hi there Sue, welcome to Broad Radio. Thank you,
7: Joe. Thanks, Bianca. Good morning.
4: Oh, it is so lovely to have you and tell me where did you take your baby bump?
7: I took my baby bump all over the world to different mine sites with my work.
4: You were working on mines. Did you have maternity wear back then?
7: No, we did not have maternity wear back there. We didn't have any women back then, we probably don't, but no, I just used um, like oversized men's wear because all of the uniform was made for men. So you just had to pick the size that you could get over your baby bump. But they do make uh, stout, Hard jacket type wear, which for men with deer bellies, and so that kind of worked all right. Um, And then you just use one of those elastic, um, I don't know what were they called, belly bands that attach to the different buttons in in your pants, and you left the zipper undone and kind of touch the the little flap in Uh and hoped for the best.
4: And so what was the response when you walked into a mining site with a pregnant belly? I imagine people were a bit shocked. Well,
7: normally they would do a double take because you were a woman walking into a mine site anyway. But it was kind of like, wow, and there's more of you. And then there were those who kind of wanted to look after you and get you a cup of tea and ask if you're all right. And then there were those who kind of just didn't want to notice it because they thought they were being inappropriate. So they'd kind of look away and just be really obvious about just looking in your eyes and not really looking at your belly bump, you know, your bump as well. Um, So it was, you know, you always got different reactions.
4: Amazing! Oh, Sue, thank you so much for sharing your story and being actually our first caller on Broad Radio. It's great to have you. I know. Hey. Congratulations to everyone. Uh, yes, absolutely. So we've got mining sites. I have to tell you I had lots of people respond and say that they took their baby, baby bumps to um, all manner of concerts and I, I myself took my baby bump. I was heavily pregnant but I love dance music. So, I, Bianca, I went to an outdoor mm-hmm. festival surrounded by 18-year-olds when I was like 36 even that people are shocked they don't you know they're like what are you doing here grandma and then this enormous baby bump and people really uh they really found that quite confronting I'm gonna say
5: did you wear one of those outfits where you had the cutout of where your tummy was so it was poking out
4: (laughs) and that really would be flaunting your belly baby belly no I did not do that thank you very much no I needed to see that who else we've got Lillian on the line hi there Lillian Lillian, where did you take your baby bump? Hi, Joe.
3: Hi, Bianca. I took my baby bump to a Def Leppard concert.
4: I love it. You rocked out. How pregnant were you at the time?
3: I think I was like seven or eight months pregnant. So my belly was definitely on display.
4: Yeah. And did you get up and dance?
7: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it was was fantastic. I wasn't going to let a baby bump stop me going (laughs) <laughs> go into something that I really wanted to get to.
4: Yeah, I agree. And Lillian, we've had actually on uh, to that end lots of people taking their baby bumps to concerts. There's yeah, p- pink. And I bon yeah, I took my baby
7: bump. Yep, I took my baby
3: bump to a concert. I took uh, I took him to uh, an, the Australian Open. Why not? You
7: know? <laughs>
4: Yeah, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I flew
7: across the country with my first one.
4: Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Lillian. And we have finally, uh, as I'm trying to multitask, Lucy. Hi there. Where did you take your baby bump? I
7: took my baby bump to the 2012 AFL Grand Final.
4: Oh, my gosh. Look at your baby bump. (laughs) (laughs) You've written go swans on it (laughs) Yes. That is the best How did you go in the crowd? Did you find that? Because I remember being pregnant at the footy and just, you know, queuing for the toilets and all that it was very hard to even fit in the seats
7: It, um, it was good People just loved it and were, were very helpful My family were very stressed for me um, wondering if I was going to have birth at the game <laughs> but it, it didn't and we survived the game
4: And did that child grow up to become a Sydney Swan supporter?
7: Unfortunately, she's part Swans, part Collingwood.
4: Oh, well, <laughs> you know that I'm a Collingwood. Well, we're
7: I do know that.
4: <laughs> oh, Lucy, thank you so much for the call, and thank you for being a part of Broad Radio. And your gorgeous baby bump there—that is the best.
7: Anytime, thanks, guys.
4: You take care, and we're going to have more Broad Radio after this. Bye. See well, our exploration of ways to get women working in fields that they love continues with our next guest. She is a career strategist and the author of the book Busy Woman's Guide to Salary Negotiation. Her name's Kelly McGowan and she joins us on the phone because, Kelly, your internet was just not behaving this morning.
3: It certainly wasn't, Joe.
4: Um, But thank goodness that the phone works. (laughs) Absolutely. We always can go fall back onto phones. Now, Kelly, I have read that research shows us that women are more likely to have found themselves out of work during the pandemic than men. And also that uh, women are at ages 40 plus, 50 plus, finding themselves feeling like they're disenchanted with their careers or often underemployed or even unemployed. So we're needing new jobs, and sometimes we're hoping for our career shift into a dream job. Is this what you're witnessing? Is this how you're experiencing women in your line of work?
3: Uh, yeah, there's definitely an
4: increase
3: in women wanting to um, change careers, in particular at midlife, um, and I think that's been exacerbated by the pandemic. So there's often a natural um, Desire, I think, once you hit sort of 35 to 55 is generally considered midlife. It's quite extended these days yes. um, <laughs> because yeah, I guess, you know, 40 is the new, 30, etc. Um, but a lot of people, yes, I, that I know personally and through my coaching work uh, do want to, you know, think about that next stage of their career and how they want it to look. And their career to date might have been satisfactory or it might have been done to Enable them to raise children and, and so on, but it wasn't their passion. So you do find a lot of people think, well, how do I want to spend this next half of my career doing what I'm really you know, passionate about? Um, and so people have been making, I think, you've got two camps really of the pandemic, people who are fearful and just staying put um, because there's just so much uncertainty out there. And then you have others that are thinking, well, Life's short. It's sort of now or never. This is the perfect time, you know, this is forcing me to make some changes I've wanted to make for a while. Um, so they are exploring, setting up a business, um, working, you know, a lot of people are looking at further education. Um, a lot of people are starting to also use services, online services where you can sell your expertise, whether it's like an Air Tasker or an Expert 360 um, so the beauty is there's so many more ways we can have a rewarding career these days.
5: And, Kelly, is the old traditional way of look up online and find a job and put your resume in, is is that old school now? Is there a new way to go about it? That's
3: a great question because things have changed so much um, in the last few years. And I'd suggest that unless you're looking to do the same or a similar job, I wouldn't be relying too much on job ads and recruitment agencies, because they're really there and designed to find someone who's a life for life. They're looking to match your expertise with that specific job ad. Um, also, increasingly, particularly for professional roles, um, LinkedIn's being used a lot and people are actually being approached by recruiters and HR practitioners and so on directly on LinkedIn. So there's less and less inclination to put the professional job ads up. There's more um, recruiters. Looking to source and approach people via LinkedIn. So, and if you're looking to change careers or, you know, sort of pivot or move into a different industry and do something a bit different, your best chance is to actually leverage your networks.
4: I feel like that is a massive a massive ask, I'm a natural introvert and I really struggle with putting myself into environments where I might not know people. What's your best advice for someone who knows that networking is important but they just don't even yes. know how to go about it? Um, so I always use the guise of
3: what, you know, how do you perceive or interpret networking? And often people's interpretation of it is uh, the word, I guess, conjures up negative um, thoughts. Whereas I actually suggest you put it in a different context and networking is actually asking for help or helping others so often you know we are helping people all the time whether it's friends families colleagues or you should look at that that would be great for you etc cetera, etc cetera. and really that's what networking is so what i'd say is don't network unless you're clear about the kind of help you want so there's no point networking and saying look i just need a job because that's a very big ask to put on somebody However, you know, networking, I'd start with friends and family and people you know, of course, start in your comfort zone, um, talking about what you're thinking you'd like to be doing and what what do they suggest or is there anyone they could recommend or introduce you to. So start with someone friendly that you know, and then as you build up confidence, and people invariably do as they get into this process, they actually really find it quite enjoyable once they're into it, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Um, because you learn so much about yourself, the opportunities that are out there, and ultimately you'll land, land in a better place.
4: I have to say that I found even with broad radio, I was not a friend of LinkedIn to begin with, but I knew that that's where people kind of play and that you can very easily approach people you've never met before. Uh, because yes. it's sort of the environment for that, isn't it? It's kind of the protocol. It's, people know that that's what happens on LinkedIn. And then as soon as I started reaching out and asking people questions, they were very happy to help because, you know, it's kind of flattering in a way.
3: It is. And most people are, you know, good by nature and do want to help. Um, and people are su- quite surprised by that too. Often we, that, I guess we create that fear of rejection if we do reach out. But, look, nine times out of ten, people will actually be really helpful. And if they can't help you, they'll refer you somewhere else or just say, look, sorry, I can't help. Like, very rarely will you encounter someone who's, you know, going to crush you. (laughs) They generally will be... Thankfully. Honestly, most people, it's surprising how much they want to help. But the key is how how you frame the help that you need. Um, And if you put too much on people, they will ignore it because they don't know how to deal with it. Whereas if it's just like, look, I see you're connected to whoever, uh, would you be happy to introduce me? Or I've got a question. Or um, people will will really be helpful. So often we have these mental blockers around networking and um, reaching out, which are generally unfounded if you approach it in a professional and respectful way.
4: So what's your top one or two pieces of advice if I'm looking for a job? Okay, so I'd say
3: the number one thing is, most people will say, you know, I'm unhappy at work and, you know, three quarters of the working population isn't particularly happy with what they're doing, but a lot of them don't know what would make them happy. Mm. So you have to be clear on what you want to be doing when it comes to work. There's no point reaching out to help if you've got no idea about who you are and what you want to be doing. Okay. So clarity of the kind of jobs or career path you're focused on is number one, because otherwise people won't help you because they can't help you. Um. And the second one which you've raised Joe is get comfortable asking for help, reaching out gathering information, creating opportunities um, for yourself to find new employment. Um, you kind of have to own the process uh, and once you get into it as I said most people actually really enjoy it um, so it's just getting those two things first of all the clarity of you know what you want to be doing and then getting comfortable with networking and then the process you know it'll it'll have its ups and downs but generally speaking, most people will end up in a much better place.
4: I do have one quick question though around the downs because of course there's that emotional side to it and that real knock to your self-esteem the longer it goes on. Have you got any advice around that?
3: Yeah, and so it's being realistic about how long it's going to take and being prepared, like you said, for those, those knockdowns because um, you're going to hit some dead ends and you, know, you apply for jobs or think you've got a chance with an opportunity and it's like your dream job and it won't happen. So really having in place some support systems, whether it's people or processes or just you know, your mindset to know that, that you'll have successes and you'll have failures, but eventually you know, if you stick with it, and it might take six months and you might need to do some other kind of work in between that's not, a, you know, what, not what you really need to be doing to get there. So being realistic about how long it's going to take you and the fact that you'll meet great supportive people and you'll also get some rejections along the way but ultimately you'll get, you know, you'll end up in a better place.
4: Mm, I love that. It's all about hope and curiosity, being curious about the world.
3: Yeah, that's a really good um, way to describe it, I think. And curious about yourself because often people uncover, and particularly women, um, they kind of underestimate how much they have to offer and the skills that they have. So often through going through this process and talking to people and getting feedback and so on, other people might feed back to them the strengths that they see and and give them suggestions and ideas and suggest you should be aiming higher or actually you're really good at this. Maybe you could consider this. So you'll obviously get a lot of positive reinforcement along the way as well. And I think that's really important for women because if you've been doing the same thing for a long time, you become a bit typecast and you typecast yourself and, and limit yourself.
4: Yeah, I love that piece of advice. Thank you so much, Kelly McGow and career strategist and executive coach. You have a great day and hopefully next time we speak, your internet will be playing with us a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Joe. Love that piece of advice around your strengths. Don't you think women just don't, we just don't embrace the good parts of ourselves and can't even recognise those strengths in us?
5: I know and often it's about just being brave enough to put yourself out there and to have a go at something that might scare the life out of you. But just that ability to show up and have a go gives you so much more confidence the next time around when you're trying to do something a little bit different. So yeah, it's some really good tips there from Kelly. And I think think we can all add a few of those to our repertoire going forward.
4: Yeah, and you know what I like to do is tell the people that I love what their strengths are because sometimes you can't really recognize it in yourself that well.
5: No, and like we always talk about signature strengths. So why, yes, we all focus on our weaknesses and what we can do better, but why don't we ever own what we're really good at and what makes us stand out there in the world? And so I think that's a really great thing that we go and share that with each other, that what we're really good at and what makes us so good and just go out there and own it
4: yeah well bianca i'm going to share with you today that i love one of your strengths as you are a great listener every time i'm with you i really get the sensation that you're listening to me and really reflecting back to me what i'm saying there you go
5: oh thanks joe <laughs> right back at you
4: because
5: my ultimate signature strength that you always showcase is just this ability to always want to be inclusive inclusive to everyone And this is exactly what broad radio is all about. And so that is one thing that stands out all the time when I am chatting to you.
4: Oh, I love that. So nice. Is this you? We've got like a virtual hug going between us. I love it. Why don't you go out and tell the people that you love what their strengths are today? Oh, it's so joyous. We'll be back with more broad radio (laughs) after this. Bianca, it has been such a lovely hour to spend with you. I have a few little things to share with you that are really exciting. So, you know that we've been running a campaign over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we were we we promised that we would donate $5 for every new subscriber to our email list to mm-hmm. Women's Housing Limited. So, Women's Housing Limited is our charity partner. They provide housing for women who would otherwise be facing homelessness. And so, we are really happy to be working with them because we know that women are the fastest growing group of homeless people in Australia. And in actual fact, B, we run a poll every week, a one question poll. And last week our question was, do you feel secure in your housing? And this is really sad. I was really quite Mm -hmm. surprised by the response that we received from our audience who answered the poll. 28% said, yeah, mostly they're feeling secure in their housing. 32% 32% yes, yep, feel secure. But 40% said, no, I worry about this a lot. Wow. That is that is shocking,
5: isn't it? And something that I don't think we learn enough about and we certainly, it's not out there, is it? That that's the information and how people are feeling about where they're actually living. Oh, that's really hard to listen to.
4: It, it is hard. And, and it's um, I think it's a really uncomfortable reality about our world at the moment, that so many people are not even sure that in six months, 12 months, five years from now, they're going to have secure housing. And it is a real problem for women, particularly over 55. So, hence, we're working with Women's Housing Limited as our foundation charity partner. We're thrilled to be working with them. Anyway, so we've been running this campaign, Bianca, super exciting to announce that we were donating $5 for every new subscriber to our email list and we got a total of 102 new subscribers over the last two weeks i know so we're going to be donating 510 dollars to women's housing limited um which i'm really excited about that's that's that is so cool great job
5: to everyone for subscribing and great job to broad radio too i love that you're only in your startup Um, kind of phase, but it is awesome to know giving back and how much, how great that makes all of us feel to be part of it too.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, it won't be the only time that we raise money for Women's Housing Limited this year. There'll be many other opportunities for us to add to that total, but we're really thrilled to be doing that on behalf of all of those people who subscribed. And let me tell you, I don't take that lightly because all of us have (sighs) inboxes jam-packed with subscribers, subscriptions, emails that just come at us all day every day. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that people are willing to allow us into their inbox. That's a pretty big thing because I mean how many how many emails do you get a day that are apparent subscriptions that you've you don't even remember subscribing to.
5: So, so many, but I actually take great joy in unsubscribing. So now on my iPhone, it comes up and up the top of your emails, and it'll always say unsubscribe um, straight away if you want to to anything that you've signed up to. It picks up that it's mm. you know obviously come from a Mailchimp or some kind of back end um tool so i love it i find it like my version of meditation i'm like unsubscribe 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 not to broad radio though no no no, no. <laughs> but
4: do you ever get the thing you're like what what mood was i in to subscribe to this thing
5: and it sometimes it'd be like when you're shopping it's like you'll get 20 percent off if you yeah. <laughs> sign up now so i'll be like 20 well, percent Cancel, unsubscribe now. <laughs>
4: oh, that's really good. Because whenever I get that offer, yeah. will you, you know, subscribe for 10%, 20% off, I always go, mm, I'm tempted. And then I think maybe I'll put in like a, a pretend email address. And would they know yeah. if I tell them that my email address is at gmail.com? Will, <laughs> <laughs> will they suspect but that's a pretend email address. I don't know. Well, anyway, so we're very wow. grateful. We're very grateful to you for subscribing. Absolutely. You can still do that at broadradio.com.au. Radio, broad you can subscribe. Of course, like and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching there. Of course, like us on Facebook. We are, as you say, Bianca, very early stages of our of our startup. So, um, yeah, all the support you're giving us, we're super grateful for. Bianca, thank you so much. And everybody watching out there too. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's been a gorgeous day. You have a great week, Bianca, and we'll be back here at 9 o'clock next Tuesday morning. See you later.